Welcome to Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. Thanks for allowing us to share this time with you. Honestly, it's our favorite time of the day where we get to hang out together and talk about how the truth of God's Word can make a huge difference in your life. And that's what we're going to hear from Richard in a way that only he can do with words of hope, insight, and humor. You may be stuck in traffic or stuck in life. Either way, today's message is going to help get you on the right track as you learn how much God loves you right where you are. So let's get right into today's talk. Here's Richard Ellis. The title of today's message is Reality Check. It's a corrective confronting of reality in order to counteract one's expectations, prejudices, or the like. And let me read you a little definition here for what reality is. The state of things as they are or appear to be rather than as one might wish them to be. I'm going to talk to you today about a couple of types of reality, but I'm going to start with our own reality here. And this is not to be depressing or take anybody down in any way, but sooner or later along the way, you wake up and you realize that you are faced with whatever reality you have. Every once in a while, I talk to women, single women, and they had a dream as a little girl, an idea of a wedding. They thought they would meet someone, they would marry someone, it would all work out, they'd have a home, all these things. And they get in their 20s, their 30s, their 40s, their 50s, and the reality check is, it's not gonna happen. There's a good chance the odds of their finding someone has gotten more slim, more slim all along the way. People who did get married thought it was gonna be great. All of a sudden there's chaos. There's challenges and the thing begins to disintegrate and now there's a divorce coming and a reality check is this is my life. Nothing's going to change. Someone has left. There are problems. This is it. I have to face my reality. Financial woes, people trying to keep their lights on, get them back on. Sickness, there's a reality check and trying to figure out how do I deal with what I've got? And where a lot of people get into trouble is the reality of their lives, the pressure, what they face, what is really going on and is not gonna go away. They say, I can't take this anymore. I can't do this anymore. And I talk from time to time about men who get in cars and drive away from wives and children and just check out. Women do the same thing, just check out, say, I cannot do this anymore. If this is all there is to life, if this is my reality, it's not what I hoped for, it's not what I thought was coming, it didn't work out the way I was told it was going to, I had dreams and I had goals and visions for my life and nothing has come to pass. And this is it. It's tough enough just to go out of town on vacation. The bad thing about taking a break is you can't keep taking a break. You have to come back to whatever is your reality. And you say, well, if I just had a ton of money, if I just had $100 million and houses all over the world and no responsibility and I could jump in my jet and fly off here and there and do what I want to do when I want to do it, didn't have any problems whatsoever, then that would be your reality and it would suck. Because then you would be bored. Why do you think people end up having affairs? They don't have anything to do. Well, she's cute. Let's chase her down and screw my whole life up. Nobody's happy unless you get something going on on the inside, a whole different kind of reality. Now turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3, if you would. 2 Timothy chapter 3. 
Let's jump in at verse 10. But you have carefully, this is Paul writing to a kid named Timothy, you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch and Iconium at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. And look at verse 12. Now, this is the stuff you have to remember. You cannot wing it. You can't just go, oh, it's all going to be great. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. I don't care who you're listening to on the radio, TV, what books you're reading. It says all who desire to live godly. If you have any desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, you are going to suffer persecution. It's a fact. It comes with a deal. That is reality. If you're going to try to live a godly life, someone is going to push back. Go to Hebrews chapter 8, verse 1. Now, this is the main point of the things we are saying, which we have such a high priest, and this is talking about Jesus, who is seated at the right hand of the throne of majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which the Lord erected and not man. For every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. Therefore, it is necessary that this one also have something to offer. For if he were on earth, he would not be a priest, since there are priests who offer the gifts according to the law, who serve the copy and shadow of the heavenly things, as Moses was divinely instructed when he was about to make the tabernacle. For he said, see that you make all things according to the pattern shown to you on the mountain. But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry inasmuch as he is also mediator of a better covenant, which was established on better promises. Now, here's basically what's going on. Back in the Old Testament, you have a temple. You have a real hot spot for God. There's the holy place, the holy of holies. This is where God's manifest presence is felt. It exists right there. You can't contain God in a room, in a box, but that's where it was on the planet. So the high priest once a year would go into the blood sacrifice and atone for all the people. And then every day sacrifices were made along the way. But this portable little mobile, what well, mobile, this spot on the planet in Jerusalem where the temple was, was a shadow of the real deal. And there is a place in heaven. There is a place where the sacrifice, where Jesus is the high priest in heaven, made the ultimate sacrifice of himself, of his own blood, and took care of everything. So you have what seems to be real here. It's real, but it's nowhere near as real as there. Every once in a while, if you've got eyes that can still see, just look down at your hand, for instance. Just get your hand, look down at your hand. Now just gather the skin. For some of you, it'll be looser than others. Okay, this, this is just your mobile home. This thing right here, give me a little more time and I will disappear from this body. I will go somewhere really real, but I am beginning to understand more every day that this fuselage, this, you know, this rocket that I ride around in, this spaceship that I have called my body, it houses me, the real me, but the real me will not be here forever. I'm going somewhere else. Now you say, but Richard, you can't explain this. You're going to get people all confused. Everybody knows this. We don't know where it is, but I'm trying to help you in your reality check. You say, well, if this is all there is to life, my life and my problems, my challenges, I'm out. Don't give up so quick. If you begin to realize that this real is only temporary and there's a real real that's going to last forever, you may have a different motivation to make it now because it will affect your then.
This ain't it. And the challenge that we have is we jump through these hoops. We set these goals. The world says, do this, go here, buy this. And what we are told is if you just get enough money together and you get you a G4, a G5, and you get you a house in Santa Fe and a house in Cabo and a house and a house and a house, then then you're going to be happy. It's not going to work. I promise you, I know these people. And you say, well, I'd like to fail like them just for a little while. (laughs) (laughs) Just give me a couple of weeks. I'll try, you know. (laughs) More verses. Hebrews 9. Go to the next chapter. Jump down to verse 11. So this whole thing about Jesus as a high priest making sacrifices, verse 11, but Christ came as high priest of good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is not of this creation, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. Go down to verse 23 of Hebrews 9. The other stuff's good, but you know. You have to read on your own. 23, therefore, it was necessary that the copies of the things in the heavens should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ has not entered the holy place made with hands. Now, the veil in the temple was rent from top to bottom when Jesus died. That means that spot was exposed. That's not it anymore. He entered some other place. For Christ has not entered the holy place made with hands, which are copies of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us, not that he should offer himself often as the high priest entered the most holy place every year with blood of another. He then would have had to suffer often since the foundation of the world. But now once at the end of the ages, he has appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And everybody wants to talk about God and you need to get in touch with the God within, you know, there is no God within you if he's not within you. And you're not going to get him within you unless you get hooked up with Jesus Christ. And I'm not backing off of Jesus. You got Jack without Jesus. Whoever Jack is. Hebrews 11. Let me read you a few verses out of Hebrews 11. Okay, so we're dealing with, we see this looks real. And I'm not saying this isn't real, but this isn't the real real. This is not me long term. If I live, I'll be an old man. You know, and not something I necessarily look forward to. And we know these people. And we go visit these people. The reason we don't go to funerals and nursing homes is we don't want to see where we're headed. But let me tell you something. I will not end up in a nursing home. I will not end up in a coffin. I will end up with Jesus. And when I think about that and I remember that, no matter what you throw at me or take away from me or tell me is coming, it may be harsh, it may be brutal, it may be overwhelming, but I've got something beyond the end. I have somewhere else to think about. I have something else to look forward to than just this. Because if this is it, we are in trouble. Verse 1, Hebrews 11, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You have to have faith. Without faith, later in this chapter it says it is impossible to please God because he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So you believe, you say, God, I know you're out there. There's got to be more than this. I'm asking you to reveal yourself to me. Go down to verse six, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Go down to verse 
Starts coming out with Abraham here, verse eight. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Waited, what? For the city which has foundations. In other words, it's stuck, it's solid, it's not going to be moved, and its builder and maker is God. Look down to verse 13. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them. Now look at these words that are used. They died, they didn't receive what we even know now. But having seen them afar off, they were assured of them first, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. I am a stranger and a pilgrim on the earth. This is not my home. I am just passing through. My treasures are laid up. Can I get a witness? Somewhere beyond the blue. What's the rest of it? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. You know what? We get too at home in this world. You better hold on to this stuff very, very, very loosely. Because the stuff you grab may end up getting a hold of you. I can't let go of this. I got to have this. I got to go here. I got to do this. I got to become this. Keep reading. Verse 14, for those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. One of the dangers of being an American is that we have too much and we don't even need heaven. We've already got it. Why well, don't want to die and go to heaven? That's a little bit of heaven right here. I'm set. So the enemy just keeps dumping stuff on us. You know, the devil can bless you too, just to take you out, just to distract you. You say, oh, God must be blessing me. You better figure out where your blessing's coming from. It might not be a blessing after all especially if it lulls you to sleep and you're distracted and, oh, well, somebody else will do that. Let's just chill a little more. Then you chill away about 80 years and it's over. All right, go to Revelation 7. If you had lived 2,000 years ago, and this is the crazy thing about the reality of eternity, that God was able to take John, the writer of the book of Revelation, into the future, which was really not so far away because it existed. How can the future exist when we're not even there yet? So if you are John, you're 2,000 years ago, there's not helicopters, we got helicopters, there's not rockets, we got rockets, there's not airplanes, we got airplanes, we got all kinds of stuff, but we don't even have what we're going to have. So however far away the book of Revelation is from even present time, there is stuff that John saw that leapfrogs even over us that is reality, though it has not even happened yet. So how do you describe what you're seeing if you don't have any category for it? So dragons and things flying around, you don't even know what that is. It looks like a dragon. So you describe it the way you have to describe it. He saw extraordinary things. But in the midst of what he saw, go to Revelation 7. Now, this is more about what's going on there, and then I'll try to read. We'll go to 21 as well and read something there. 
I can't skip over this part. Go to Revelation 7, verse 9. After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could number, of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels stood around the throne, and the elders and the four living creatures, and fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders answered, saying to me, Who are these arrayed in white robes and where did they come from? And I said to him, Sir, you know. What are you asking me for? So he said to me, these are the ones who come out of the great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will dwell among them. They shall neither hunger anymore nor thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them nor any heat for the lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to living fountains of water and God will wipe away every tear from their eye. That's what there's to look forward to. You say, well, oh, that's going to be boring. I don't want to be an angel flunked around on a cloud forever. You know what? You don't know anything. <laughs> Read your Bible for 10 minutes. And then people say crazy stuff. Well, I want to be in hell with all my friends. You know what? That's not hard to arrange. Just do nothing. Just ignore everything you've heard and just keep tracking. You'll be there with your buddies soon enough. But it ain't going to be funny when you get there. Because that reality is real. That is real, real. Go to Revelation 21, and then I'm out of verses, but I know where some more are. Now, this is why I encourage you to read this. I am banking. You know what? If all there is to this thing is I'm going to live and believe all this and waste my Sundays and my whatever teaching the Bible, and it was just a big joke. You know, I've never had a beer in my life. If there's no God and no heaven, and I've screwed my whole life up not having fun like everybody else drinking beer and whatever else you're doing, this is going to be a disaster. I could have bought me a boat and been at the lake today. <laughs> you know, everybody else is trying all this stuff. What are we doing here? Because I still think there's something to this. Revelation 21, verse 1. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. You say, well, how's he going to do that? How do you think he created the whole thing in the first place? He just says stuff and stuff happens. Jesus speaks and entire universes are created. This guy's got some game. I don't know what you're reading or what you're thinking, but man, he can do stuff. All he's got to do is say a word and boom. I saw a new heaven, a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. In other words, beautiful, resplendent. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. In other words, the dwelling place of God is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. Look at verse four. Again, this same thought from back in Revelation 7 that we read a minute ago. Verse 17 back there. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes for there shall be no more death nor sorrow, no crying. There shall be no more pain for the former things have passed away. Anybody know someone who is terminally or just they're sick and they're going to be that way probably until they die. Raise your hand if you know somebody like that. Now that's trouble. You talk about a reality check. People with migraines, people with cancer, people with just so many complications. You say, well, why doesn't God heal them? I don't know. 
And some of these people are God-fearing believers who cry out to God and yet he doesn't heal them and he teaches them things. But I'm going to tell you something. They're not suicidal maybe, but they just soon take the bus out of here as soon as it comes by. You say, well, you have a death wish. It's not about a death wish. You just get tired of living in this broken down spaceship. So why does God let people get sick? Why does God let these things happen and doesn't fix it? He can fix it. Why doesn't he fix it? Because sometimes the only way for us to be godly like we're supposed to be is for the tribulation to come along and get our attention in the first place. We get rocking along. Whoa, it's, I'm so fly and everything's so cool. And, you know, I got it made. And I don't need God. I'm, you know, I'll check in with you later. God says, you know what? It's not working this way. We're going to wake the brother up. And boom, sometimes it comes out of nowhere. Sometimes it's consequence we bring on ourselves. But the Bible says it is his kindness. It's his gentleness that leads us to repentance. And he says, look, I've been trying talking to you. That's not working. So I tell you what, I'm going to give you a whooping. And let's see if you get it that way. And the whooping doesn't work. Now I'm going to take your cell phone away. <laughs> Which is one step worse than a whooping. If, you, if you're the right age. And he squeezes and he squeezes and he squeezes. And then he says, now I got your attention. You say, yes, sir, you got my attention. Verse five, Revelation 21. Then he who sat on the throne said, behold, says, watch this, look, I make all things new. And he said to me, write these words, write for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, it is done. I'm the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things and I will be his God and he shall be my son. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Go down to verse 22 for the sake of time. But I saw no temple in it. It's talking about the new Jerusalem. For the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it. For the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light. And the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light. And the kings of the earth bring their glory and honor into it. Its gates shall not be shut at all by day. There shall be no night there. And they shall bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. But there shall by no means enter anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie. And then look at this last phrase. But only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. You got your name in that book? How do you get your name in that book? You get Jesus to write it in there for you. I suggest you get in that book so you end up in this place because you're not going to stay in this place. Before Richard comes back to wrap things up for us today, I'd like to share a couple important things with you. Let me encourage you to take a minute and check out our website, richardellistalks.com. You'll find today's talk right there in the talks page along with all of Richard's messages. You can even forward them to a friend so they can hear them too. You'll also find the prayer wall to add your prayer requests, a link to connect with us, the contribute page for you to be able to give to this ministry, a radio station finder, all our social media links, and much more. So check it out, richardellistalks.com. And Richard's back now to wrap up today's talk. And if Jesus doesn't come back, not 100% of people die. So far, that's almost been the case. Some case in the Old Testament, guys getting beamed out of here. 
But if Jesus comes back today, I'm out of here without dying. But if he doesn't come back before I'm an old man, I'm dying. But you will not put me in the box and you will not put me in the ground. I will be long gone before you ever try that. In a new heaven, in a new earth, where my faith is sight and it was all worth it. And you say, well, where do these sermons come from? Every once in a while, I get to the point and I go, Lord, we got a long way to go, don't we? If I don't die, I got some miles to travel. I got responsibility. I still got some kids to raise. I got, you know, there's people so screwed up. They haven't even shown up here yet. I got trouble coming. I don't even know what it is yet. We do. More people coming. So you say, how am I going to make it? Same way you made it this far. Don't forget what's real. A little reality check never hurts. And you say, Lord, this looks pretty real. He says, yeah, but this isn't it. You remember who I am and whose you are and who you are and where this is going and why we're doing it. I'll have you out of here sooner or later, but you hang in there till I come get you or you die because I got work to do. Don't grow weary in well-doing. In due time, you will reap. And it may not be on this side, but you will reap. And it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. And my prayer is even so. Come, Lord Jesus. This has been Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. There's only one reason we do this program, to take the planet with the good news of Jesus Christ. That's our message and our mission. And you have a vital part of doing that along with us. If you've been encouraged by these talks with Richard, be sure to share with someone about the change they've made in your life. And we'd love to hear your story as to how the talks have made a difference to you. Give us a call. We'd love to talk with you. 855-6-RICHARD. You can also reach us through our website, richardellistalks.com. And while you're there, check out all the fun and informative pages we put together for you, richardellistalks.com. While you're there, be sure to click on the Contribute tab at the top to send your generous gift. If the program is making a difference to you, your gift will make a big difference to us. Until next time, thanks so much for listening to Richard Ellis Talks.